Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number. That will cost you 30 cents. A big hello to all our cow listeners, uh, you lazy sods. Uh, time for uh, to look at some stories from other parts of the world. Jonathan de Burka Butler joins us uh, once again. Jonathan, good afternoon. Sure, now you're getting on. Uh, right, the US, uh, we're going to go to first now. I suppose more and more people will, because of that dope sick series, mm. will be uh, familiar with the Sackler name and what it was they did. So uh, what's happened to them now? Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why this particular story jumped out at me when I came across it late last week. Um, I came across it on a website called Art News, but I think lots of newspapers cover, covered it subsequently. Um, and it's it's two years after the Met, otherwise known as the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, said that it would stop taking donations from the Sacklers because of the then controversy that was already surrounding their production mm. uh, of OxyContin, um, the, the, an opioid j- drug for people who don't watch Dope Sick, the series, Netflix series Dope Sick. It's an opioid drug that basically they claimed was non-addictive and it clearly was addictive. And uh, they have pretty much conceded that now in in the meantime. Spoiler alert if you are watching the series. Uh, yeah, they haven't, they haven't. Uh, well, they, yeah. They've conceded the fact that the company were in the wrong, yeah. I suppose, and they have paid and out a lot themselves. of money. Yeah. But they have protected themselves, most certainly. And um, it's interesting. But uh, one of the things that they were big on was uh, their donations to the arts, all right, particularly around Asian art and that kind of thing. And they donated lots of money to lots of museums around the world including the Louvre it wasn't just the Met it was places in the uh, UK as well the Tate and the Serpentine Gallery as well and the Guggenheim um, I don't know if it was all the different Guggenheims but uh, they, they were big players in that field and as a result they had their names all over these galleries and in the Met alone seven spaces were named after them right yeah. so the Net base decided two years ago we're not going to take your money anymore and last week they decided that they're going to take down the names now interestingly in the statement uh, the president and CEO of the Met Daniel Wise said that the, the they welcomed the decision by the Sackler family to go along with this and they said that it was a gracious gesture from the family and the Sacklers issued a statement themselves saying yes you know we've been doing this for 50 years patting themselves on the back saying it's about time now that we pass over the baton to other people so you know the suggestion even now they're not actually making the connection no. as to why they're doing it no yeah. no well of course, of course they're not I mean they're not going to admit to it they're, they're basically saying look we gave you money for 50 years you did well out of us Mm. We're, we're leaving, at least give us the, you know, the dignity of leaving graciously rather than be, everybody knows we're being pushed out, but let us issue a statement and that's that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and well, <laughs> the interesting thing about that, I mean, Dope Sake only came out this year, but yeah. the, this story about OxyContin and the, the epidemic in the US has been Half raging a million for, dead as a result, yeah, has been Sean, raging yeah. for decades. Yeah. So like, it's not like this was news to a lot of these uh, uh, um, galleries and museums. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, right, okay. Uh, uh, Chile, we're going to go to next. And uh, same-sex marriage. Yeah, it's, it's I suppose, a good news story. Um, this is a landmark law 
uh, that's come in in Chile now. I think it came in last week. It was voted overwhelmingly by in Parliament in the lower house chamber of deputies by 82 votes to 20. So um, a, a fairly fundamental push through. And it was supported by the president. He, he's a right wing president. He's coming to the end of his term. President Sebastian Piñera. He's been there since 2018. And there's actually elections. The second round uh, of elections are coming up this Sunday to decide who the new who will take over from him. So I suppose he's leaving with quite a legacy in, in, in this particular case. And it's interesting because on a personal level, he actually stated quite clearly that he didn't support the bill on a personal level. Okay. But he said uh, towards the end of his term and in his State of the Union address in June that this was something that he wanted to make sure went through because he felt that his fellow citizens were entitled to the same respect that everybody else had. And so, you know, it, it it got overwhelming support as we as we saw. I mean, there were there were some in his party. I mean, he comes from a conservative right wing party, yeah. so there were some within the party who objected to this. Um, but it, it's gone through, and and it's been uh, it's a long time coming. Civil union came in two thousand and fifteen. Um, so what is it? Six years now since then. But yeah. interesting, no referendum, just uh, through Parliament. Okay, but good for him that he did his he did what he saw to be his duty, yeah. even though he personally uh, opposed it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now, it, it should be said that there was probably a minefield of Supreme Court cases and constitutional cases coming down the track, and they had tied their colours to the mass as such with various different human rights organisations within South South America. At the same time. There were probably some votes in it for him not to push it through, you know, later on. Mm. But uh, there you go. Yeah, right. Uh, Burundi we're going to go to now and uh, dozens dead in in a prison fire. Yeah, Burundi, a country we haven't covered for a while um, because, uh, mainly because of the death of Pierre Incarunzi, the football playing president uh, who who died there about a year and a half ago. Um, And I suppose an awful lot of the problems around imminent civil war and that kind of thing were gone from Burundi, but that doesn't take away the fact that it's still very poor and Mm. the facilities uh, are terrible and there's quite a bit of lawlessness around. And indicative of that is this particular story, a very sad story, where 38 people have died in a fire in an overcrowded prison in the capital, in the central of the country called uh, Gitega. Small city, but uh, the political capital. And um, nobody's really sure how the fire started, although it's the second one in a year. Apparently earlier this year in August, there was um, another fire that was uh, started because of an electrical short circuit. So there were obviously problems. Fire broke out here and um, one witness basically said that we started shouting that we were going to be burned alive when we saw the flames, but the police refused to open the doors. Um, and as a result, these people died and there are many, many more injured. But it should be said, it's not just a problem in this particular prison, right? So in June of this year, the prisons were so overcrowded in Burundi that the new president gave a pardon and let out over 5,000 prisoners. That was from a population of 13,000 prisoners and there's only about 4,000 places to cater for them. So it was still well overcrowded. So a problem not just in this particular prison, but prisons throughout that country. Yeah. God, you'd wonder what you had to have done to not get a pardon well, in those, those yeah, sort of yeah, circumstances. Yeah. Uh, right. Ken, you want to go to next? And uh, yeah, I suppose uh, an, an example that 
it's not just in the US you have these mass shooting kind of situations this, uh, this was a policeman who did this yeah a policeman and, and they've been in the headlines in Kenya for all the wrong reasons over the last number of years um, this is at least uh, as far as we know anyway uh, six people were shot by a police officer in Nairobi um, who then turned the gun on himself it started off with his wife uh, who he shot we think after some sort of an argument that he had with her he shot her with an AK-47 Uh, And then he went out onto the street and started firing indiscriminately uh, at people. He shot three men who were actually on their way back from preparing for one of their relatives' funerals, would you believe? And then he opened fire uh, again and he shot two um, motorcycle riders, delivery drivers as well. And as I said, he, he turned the gun on himself. Nobody really knows why this happened, uh, mm. to be honest with you, other than, you know, they suspect that it was a personal incident and, and, and he just lost the plot effectively. But it's not the first time that it's happened. Uh, last month, there was a police officer who opened fire on his colleagues not far from where this happened and he shot w- one in the head before he, he, he ran off. And in March of this year, um, uh, an officer shot uh, his superior uh, over, I think it was over a dispute to do with deployment and that kind of thing. Mm. And you might remember that back in September we actually spoke about, um, I think it was uh, th- five or six policemen who were who were arrested for the murder of two brothers yes, who yeah. had broken a curfew mm. during the pandemic. So there's all sorts of problems with the police in Kenya at the moment and they seem to be running wild to be honest with you yeah. Um, and this is really something that has, is making the headlines there and getting people out onto the streets they're they're very unhappy with this as you can imagine yeah I can imagine so and no sign of a kind of a, a commission of inquiry into the police in general to see what, what's that's causing that's a good question I, I haven't seen I, and I must say I look back at that um, story that we did back in September of those police that were Arrested, and and I didn't see anything sp- specifically around a general, mm. you know, root and branch, yeah. you know, review type thing. I mean, there was something as an investigation set up into those police, obviously. But as regards what's happening overall, I haven't seen anything. That's a good question. Yeah. Right, uh, uh, Germany we're going to go to next. And now, you, well, you might think that uh, um, the pandemic had uh, many of us working from home and that's uh, somewhat safer, but not necessarily, uh, it yeah. seems. Not for this poor chap who, who's an, the unnamed uh, complainant in this particular case. Uh, a German court has ruled that a man who slipped while walking from his bed to his own hof- his home office can claim on workplace accident insurance, right? So he was in bed, he got up to go to work, went down his spiral staircase to go to his office, which was on the floor below, slipped and broke his back, okay? And he brought his case to the employer and the employer assurance company refused to cover the claim, right? Mm. Uh, It went to two courts, right? Social courts, they're called. These are courts which oversee social security issues, apparently, right? And that's where he went to, to, to appeal that in the first place. But two lower courts disagreed on whether the short trip was considered a commute. Mm. And then he went up to this higher court and they basically said, and I'll read the judgment if you don't mind, Please, because yeah. it's relatively interesting, that the first morning journey from bed to the home office was an insured work route. Okay, The plaintiff suffered an accident at work when he fell on the way to his home office in the morning. If the insured activity is carried out in the household of the insured person or at another location, insurance cover is provided to the same extent as when the activity is carried out at the company premises. Right. Which I have to say, 
I find absolutely bizarre. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, the guy could have been just going to the loo or, or well, going to indeed. get a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and but they did say that actually. They, they they the court noted that he went to his home office immediately without having breakfast beforehand. Thus, it's, <laughs> thus suggesting that if he had gone and got gone to the home office, then gone and got breakfast, and then gone back and had the accident on the way that it wouldn't have constituted a commute. But, like, is the office now liable to go in and check whether your man's stairs are slippy every morning? Yeah. Well, I mean, they also had spiral staircases, like, there'd be a death trap, I would have thought. Uh, right, in the few seconds we've left, Jonathan, sure. what should we look at, uh, forward to in the next week or so? Yeah, there's a good few things coming up. Um, Azerbaijan's president and the prime minister of Armenia are meeting in Brussels to discuss the tensions that have been leading to, well, led to a war at the end of last year and more border clashes uh, that have been happening in November. Elections in Chile, as I mentioned, and also elections in Hong Kong, which are pretty much a foregone conclusion. And then Thursday night, big thing to watch out for are those results coming from North Shropshire, where the Conservatives look like they might lose a 23,000 majority to the Lib Dems. And could it spell the end of Boris Johnson? Oh, yeah, we've all heard that <laughs> sentence before. Jonathan, thanks a million. Jonathan, the work of Butler there. Uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.